Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Miss Lisa Holland of LBH Fitness, coming to you from upstate New York. Lisa, how are you today? I am fantastic. I'm a little am, nervous, but I am fantastic. Nervous <laughs> is okay. Fantastic is good. We're Put me in front of the gym, and I, I have no nerves, but this is this is a whole new world. So. A bit outside of your expertise. Totally yes. fine. And so this podcast format gives us the really awesome benefit of sharing your story, your experience with thousands of other people. But before we dive in on LBH and, and the business and, and what you do from that perspective, give us some context, give us some, some of the, the what here. Tell us what LBH is first and foremost. Okay. So LBH fitness um, is me, LBH. So I'm Lisa Brown Howland. That's my maiden name, my married name. Um, so when I, when I started to go out on my own, because I worked in a ton of gyms, um, I should have got way more creative, but just said, all right, I'm LBH fitness. So I, whether that, whether that's me in my, in my studio or whether I'm out, you know, at a park or whatever, but I am LBH fitness. Um, and I've been LBH fitness on my own since 2012. So, uh, so it's been a long time, yeah. almost 10, almost 10 years. Uh, yeah. I had a physical location starting, um, in 2013. So where I, we actually, put up a building and I became LBH fitness brick and mortar. So yeah. What made you want to open a gym, Lisa? How did you, uh, how did you get into this industry? All right. So that we're going way back. So I oh. have been, I have been uh, in the industry since probably to uh, 2000. I um, started out this, and this is a huge part of who I am now is how I got started and where I came from. Um, I never said, I'm just going to open a gym and it's going to be a business. Um, I started out as a, a mom going to the gym and taking classes and I loved it. I mean, I love, I love doing it. I was good at it. And then somebody approached me and said, Hey, you know, you really have, you know, really good in the class, whatever you can, you follow along. It seemed like you would know what to do. Would you in be interested in teaching? And I said, well, what does that entail? And they said, you know, get certified become a teacher and you can get your gym membership for free. And I was like, sign me up. Like for sure. I had a baby at home. So I was like, perfect. I had stopped working full time. Perfect. I can come to the gym for free and teach some classes, make some gas money. Perfect. So that's where it started. And then it snowballed. And then I became certified group. And then I became certified kickbox and step and everything else that you did back in the early 2000s, <laughs> which is a long time ago. And, um, eventually I, I just taught at that gym and then I branched out and was at another gym. And so now I'm teaching 12 classes a week, two or three different places and, and, um, created a, a pretty good following in the gyms at like a, like a, at our local YMCA. And then was another, was a big, like private gym. And, um, and then I started to really see that people were following me from one gym to the other, which I know is a big no-no, but that back then they didn't have any like competition clauses or anything. Um, and then I started to realize, and this is a big part of it, and I, I, want, I hope I won't go on forever here, but um, I started to realize the things that I wanted to do and where I wanted to take my classes, I was seeing happening in other parts of the facility 
um, that I was working in. I wanted to lift those heavy weights with the ladies. And we only had like two and three and five pounds. And so I started to kind of really stretch what group fitness um, at the time was by going out and stealing all the weights off the rack, <laughs> you know, and bringing them in. And um, I became a spinning instructor during that time. I became a TRX certified instructor at that time. So I, my repertoire was becoming really big for what I, you know, the things that I could do. And um, so then I wanted to start to have a little bit more creative control. And I wasn't getting that. I wasn't being afforded right. that. So um, I started doing it on my own. I started, yeah. you know, I started uh, using like facilities use at like a school and using the park and using this. And um, people were coming. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. I'm like, I can do this on my own. I can give people what they want to do and pull people along to expand what they think group fitness is. I was seeing it happen in some of the gyms where the trainers, the personal trainers were making a lot more money than me as a group instructor, but doing the same stuff. Like, so I was like, mm, okay. So I became, I got my personal certification, personal trainer certification and um, decided to just to go out on my own. And I started to, my husband who was great and totally on board. We changed our garage into a studio that I could fit like six people in. And I was doing three, four classes a night with five and six people. And I thought, this is crazy. And the six days a week. And um, he said, all right, you want to do it? Let's do it. And he said, let's put up a big building and we'll go all in. You want to do this full time and be home and my kids right here? Absolutely. So we, we put up a building and, and like, and I started teaching just yeah. classes right here. And it's nice because I have like about a 20 step commute <laughs> from my house <laughs> to the gym. It's on my property. I'm pretty much really rural. I'm between three kind of cities. Um, so I get nice draw from, from all different directions. You know, people mm -hmm. can travel within two or three, four miles. Um, and like I was telling you before, I have people that come from 20, 30 miles now yeah. um, to the gym. So, so that's how LBH started. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I teach I teach spinning. I have spin bikes. I'm a certified spin instructor and facility, TRX as well. Plus, I teach like boot camps and medbot classes and all sorts of strength and mostly strength based based classes. Sure. And that's that's obviously where I saw it going to 10, 15 years ago, even to ladies group fitness. Like that was where we were headed. And so that's yep. what I that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, not a tremendously uncommon story. It's a lot of the no. time we hear people that that love working out, they love fitness, and then they find out that they can get paid for it. And oh, perfect. That sounds like that's Absolutely. exactly what I want to be a part of. And and along the way, you've picked up all of these different certifications and skills. And one of my favorite people in this industry says that all it takes to start a business is a crappy boss, a belief that you can do it better and a pot of coffee. And, and it sounds like that's the route that we went. Here you are absolutely a handful of years later with your business. You mentioned all of these different style classes that you, that you offer right now. How many people do we serve within this kind of a model? Um, I would say, you know, if I have probably 60 to 80 people um, that I would see over a given amount of time you know, not all in one week. I may not see somebody for a month, but like I have definitely have a, a nice big rotation of people. Um, if I whittled it down and said per week, 
you know, I count bodies that come through the door. Um, some weeks I'm at 60, some weeks I'm at 100 people that actually physically walk into the building. And some of those people are there three, four, five times a week. So, you know, it's a, it's a good, it's been good for me. Um, and yeah. that, that's worked well. And this, for the most part, is is group classes, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much small group. For... Yep, small group classes. Um, I'll teach anywhere from one person. One person shows up. I'll teach. I'll teach a class if they want it. Up to, um, of course, we were saying pre-COVID, I could put twenty. I've had twenty-five in there. Um, and then uh, after COVID, it's you know it has whittled down a little bit, and I limit it to you know probably no more than fifteen in in the space. You know. Sure. And, and so fairly on par with the, the group training statistics that right. we've seen across the, the industry. One thing that I'd like to explore with you is the idea of, of pricing and what you typically charge for it. Because, I mean, group training in our industry can really, really run the gambit of mm -hmm. as low as 10 or 20 bucks a month up to hundreds or thousands of dollars a month. Where would you say on average most of your customers fall? Um, well, I, I mean, I, I can tell you my prices are right on my, my website. Um, I offer class packages. Obviously, the more classes you buy, the, the cheaper it's going to be. So people can come in for 24 classes at around $160. Um, I offer 12 for 88, six for 50. Um, then I offer uh, for those that come and I always like to tell them if you're going to come for more than three classes a week, do the unlimited. So I offer a three month unlimited for 195. And I offer a six month unlimited for 375. Um, you know, so so that's where we're at. And it's just a one shot deal. I don't do EFT. Um, I, you know, I just do payment like that. So and sure. that's worked well. It's worked well for me. Um, and yeah. classes like class packages, they buy a card of 12 classes, it's gonna be good for like a whole year. You know, yeah. hopefully they use them up a lot quicker than that, and they do, but you know, so they know they can they can come back anytime, you know, and use those classes. Yep. And and so at least comparatively to competitors in this sort of market, probably a bit below what we oh, would expect would to see. What For brought my you area. To, what brought you to those prices? Why Why those? Is that what you started at when you opened the business? No, I've, ra I've raised prices. Uh, I think I've had two price increases over the last nine years. Um, for my area, I'm right on par with two other places that are like the same, pretty much the same, the same, um, business model, you know, small group gym, we're all about the same within 10 bucks, like overall, you know, um, some offer some, some charge more. Um, but I am in a small area where we know everybody. Um, and you know, I, I've had people come to me and say, well, it's just too expensive there. So we're, I'm pretty competitive, um, with the prices. I would rather have be a little under, get people in more, you know, that's good. You want them to come more um, for all reasons, <laughs> fitness included. Um, and so I'm, I'm okay with that right now. Now, that being said, COVID and the price of everything over the last year has increased tremendously. I can probably foresee a price increase within the next six months. Okay. Um, yeah, I, it, it's, it's just so expensive. I mean, yeah. I'm in upstate New York. It's below zero for two months straight. Um, so like, you know, the cost of everything is just, is just way more heating. And yeah. everything. so yeah. and I you mentioned your goal being more to get 
more people in than to yeah. get as much money as possible from the people that we have. Right. I would rather Tell have, us yeah. about how you plan to do that, right? I mean, you talked about pre-COVID, post-COVID. Oh, I think that yeah. mostly every gym <laughs> owner in every business everywhere is interested in figuring out ways to get people back in. What does that look like for you? Yeah, for me right now, um, I just want to say, like, I don't know if I'll ever be whole again uh, from COVID just because of everything that goes with it, um, all the rules, all the, the fear. Um, I feel like I'm getting there. I know I've lost people that, like, just don't feel comfortable being in a shared space. Um, and that, you know, that's going to happen. But then I have picked up more people. I have picked up some new people that, like, this is new. I think they're maybe past it. I, it's hard to say what really goes through people's mind. Um, but as far as expanding the business, um, you know, right now for me, I'm the, I'm it. I'm 15 classes a week. I teach them all. Um, it, for me, it would be offering more classes, of course. Then I'm working more than my rate of pay goes down. So, you know, there's this give and take. Like, where is that happy place for me? Because I, uh, I, I look at burnout I don't want to ever get there. Um, so far, I've been okay. Sure. Um, but has there been any thought in, to bring on any other kind of staff or any other coaches or trainers? Actually, no. I have had in the past another instructor do like maybe a class week, and no, I, I, I don't, I don't sound, sound like such a jerk, but I like the control and um, the product that I put out. All my classes are programmed to all go together. And I learned that in COVID, it changed a lot for me as far as how I programmed what I offer and when I offered it and how often I offer it. Um, before COVID, it was a little bit more random. If you came at 5.30, you got random different cardio and strength classes. Now I'm splitting it. Now it's all programmed. So if you come Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, it all complements each other. Um, it's worked well for me. Um, and people really like that because they don't feel like they're coming, getting chest four days a week, but no legs, you know what I mean? So it's, it's changed yep. for me that way. Um, yep. and I think um, that's sort of natural for things to evolve at yeah. least throughout the last 18 months. It's yes. been forced yep. upon most it of was. us. It was mostly forced upon me because when we went into lockdown, I, I was closed for six months up here. Um, I could not do anything physic with people in person. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to move to pretty much all online. And I was like, all right, I'm not doing three classes online. We're doing one and it's, we're going to make it count. So that was what was nice because then it became a one-on-one -on -one with every person that was in the Zoom. Like they were all in the class, but like mm -hmm. I knew they were coming once a day. So, okay, we're going to do this today, but that tomorrow. Don't worry. You're not going to get legs today, but we're going to do them tomorrow. So like, so it was easier to program. It almost became a more of a personalized um, workout that way because I knew when they were coming and I knew how often they were coming. Yeah. So it just seemed to, to evolve. Yeah. That the, the entire idea of fitness online is, is not new, <sighs> but certainly to the masses has been much more prevalent mm -hmm. throughout this time, just because of capacity right. restrictions and, and things that you mentioned. Is that something easy. that you foresee that, that seems to me like it would be far more scalable because it, it doesn't limit you to, uh, I can only have 
X right. amount of people per square foot. Is that something that you plan to take advantage of here in, in the future? Um, right now, I'm I right now I'm just like streaming one class a week, and it's in that uh, one class that's kind of all programmed together. So they're getting a complete week full of workouts that all complement each other. Um, right now, I really have I'm not planning on doing anything more with that. Um, obviously, if things change and I had to go back to it, I would have to expand it. Yeah. Um, but it's not easy from a from a instructor place. Um, it was very challenging. For we didn't zoom for a while. We just Facebook live, and you're you're talking to nobody. You're teaching nobody. <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. yeah. Certainly. Uh, we, have, we have. There was one class we we dubbed Cry Friday, um, because I had just had like. A terrible day I'm outside and it starts raining and I'm like my computer's getting wet and I'm like Man. so I just started to like totally break that so em emotionally uh psychologically that's very hard um I like the interaction of the real person in front of me of so that's kind of where I want to focus my sure. focus you know all my energy yeah is getting people in the gym and so um, Lisa we've talked about a number of different services that you had and, and how you plan to to rebuild it Rare is it that I have the conversation with someone and, and they're against making more money in their business. And so what does what does growth look like for you? What are you going to be focusing on here moving forward with your business? Well, that's a big part. And this is what I've struggled with um, thinking about talking to you. And of course, I want to make money. Like, there's no doubt. Like, it pays the bills. But part of my draw and part of what's worked for me is the interaction with the clients was the interaction with everybody that walks through the gym. Uh, everyone should always feel welcomed and part of the group. And that is huge for me. Secondly, the people that do come, we want to make their experience. Or I want to make their experience um, as rewarding as possible fitness wise. Um, so part of the, Part of how I measure success for me, for LBH, is what we do. There's been times when I've taken 10 women and ran their first half marathon. We worked hard for it. We trained for it together, the support system. We call it positive bullying at the gym. Um, so that's part of who I am as a business owner. Yeah. And and I can see how that we start that and then we pull somebody else in and then somebody else's interest gets peaked and they step outside of their comfort zone. So a lot of what LBH is about is about community, about, about expanding their fitness, about expanding the new experiences that they have. Um, listen, people like to come to the gym and they like to know what they're gonna get. I'll throw the monkey wrench in once in a while and they all grumble, but you know what? They're expanding and learning and growing all yep. the time. So that, that for me is part of why I do what I do. Yeah. It, I mean, from my perspective, it sounds like we're willing and able to add to this community provided that it adds to the community, right? Absolutely. Yes. Making sure that we're not diluting the product, making sure that we're not wear and tearing on you mentally right. and physically so much that we can't deliver that product. Right. All of these right. things are factors to consider, especially when we have 
solo owner and operator type businesses, mm-hmm. if everything runs through you, probably that is where the bottleneck is. I would imagine mm-hmm. that you could yeah. grow this far beyond where you are. I, I absolutely could. I, uh, I could. I could. And I just don't because I'm just super happy with how it's working now because gosh forbid I do that I change it and I lose who I am and I lose I lose what I find valuable or what I've worked so hard for um yeah I I, that's where I'm at so when I (laughs) we I you know speaking with my husband who's my right hand here um, about, you know, what does it mean to me to grow my business? Well, growing my business might not be getting 20 more people in the gym first of the year. Maybe it's taking those people that I have and setting an amazing goal, an amazing goal for, for maybe for this summer, you know, like we're going to yeah. do this together. So like, that's what, oh, that's yeah. what I, it could I just like. as easily be, I've got somebody that comes in once a week and we got them to twice a week. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's huge for me. I I agree. And I think that frame needs to be kept in perspective at all times. At some Mm -hmm. point along the line, when we said that we were going to start a business, we did so because we wanted to do things our way. Mm -hmm. If we lose sight of that and start doing things far outside of what we originally intended, it's going to lead to burnout. It's going to lead to frustration. It's going to lead to a diluted product. And so right. I think you're, you're in the right headspace right. for how you want to run your business. And you get to make the rules. At the I end do. Of the That's what's the greatest this. part. That's so, why yeah, I, I, always, I always talk about scope of practice. Um, I see so many things in the fitness industry that are outside people's scope of practice. And I try to adhere to what I've learned and what I know and what I've been trained to do. Um, so that's what I really try to focus on is yep. stay in that scope practice. Now you did ask me what I was going to do. And there is one thing I, I am currently working on my nutrition coach. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like I do oh, learn cause I do have to keep <laughs> current and keep moving forward. But so that is something in this new year that I'm going to add that I have not done in the past. That is one of the pieces that has been a little bit lacking in the gym, you know, as a personal trainer, you can give basic information, but like, scope of practice. People come to me all the time and say, can you tell me what to eat? Can you write me a, a diet? I'm like, no, I'm outside of my scope of practice. I'm not a dietitian. I didn't go to college right. for the, you know, so uh, we can talk about what you're eating and yes, no, good, bad, uh, you know, ugly, whatever, but I can't, I don't, I'm not comfortable with working outside. So that is one of the pieces that I have done this year is I'm working on a nutrition coach. So that will be one thing that we can expand on sure, <laughs> so I sure. have an answer for that yeah yeah and and so I think that's incredibly important in our industry especially because right. there are so many different ways people can build and expand their business and the reality is people are, are willing to pay for it right I may right. be willing to spend 100 bucks 150 bucks 200 right. on fitness but I may also be willing to spend that same sort of money on nutrition or on right other ancillary services and so we can make really robust profitable businesses with not tremendously large of a crowd right we don't need a thousand members right we can serve the people that we have and we can serve them in a number of ways to get them really good results right and at the same time really fortifying our business lisa we could talk about this all day but as we we kind of come to (laughs) to the end of our time here, at least with this episode, I want to give you the chance to, to give people 
the option to connect with you. Is there a way that they can do that social media website? Where can they find out more? Yes. So right now I'm just on Facebook at LBH fitness. Um, uh, that's it. I just do a Facebook uh, page. It's a business page. Um, if you want to do personal, like the, the online, I do have a private group. It's called LBH focused fitness, um, LBH focused fitness. Um, so that's the private group. You can reach out to me there. Um, you can search it, but, um, but then to be a part of it, I have to add you in the group. Um, and that's the online, but yeah, so just like that. And I think you can Google me. I think I might be actually on Google now, like LBH fitness with my address and phone number, but, um, but everything is on my LBH fitness page on Facebook. So you can, can reach me there. Gotcha. Well, <laughs> it's been a whole bunch of fun to host this conversation. I, I always appreciate having the chance to dig through somebody's mindset and how they see running business for themselves. I appreciate your contribution. I appreciate your time, Lisa. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to find you again down the road and, and see right. how things go for you. How's that sound? Sounds great. Awesome. Thank you to everyone who tuned in today. Thank you as well. Don't forget if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic Tay. I'm here with my guest, owner of Body Kinetics in Marin County, California, Michael Jenkins. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you, Dominic. You are very, very, very welcome. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, let's jump into it. Tell me about Body Kinetics, the type of business you are, your model, and then we'll hop into the history. All right. Well, Body Kinetics, we have uh, three locations in Marin County. Marin County is just north of the Golden Gate Bridge, San Francisco Bay Area. If you've been to uh, the wine country in Sonoma or Napa, you normally have to drive through um, Marin County to get there. So it's about 27 miles long. And along that one-on-one -on -one corridor, we have three, three clubs. They vary in size. Uh, one is pretty small. It's about 7,500 square feet. Uh, the one in San Rafael is about uh, 11,000 square feet indoors, 3,000 square feet outdoors. And the one in Nevada is about 19,000 square feet, uh, has an indoor basketball court, and it has uh, probably about 5,000 square feet outdoors. So we both, uh, we do both indoor and outdoor because of obviously mask mandates, COVID, we moved a lot of exercise outdoors over time. Also very nice to have the climate that can support that for a good chunk of the year. Absolutely. So that's where you are now. Give us some background on it because you've been in the game a long time, 30, 32 years, I think we said. So give me some history, some background on how you ended up where you are today. Great. Well, um, you know, I originally went to uh, 
went to school to become, you know, a coach and a professor at university. I got a master's degree in sports psychology and kinesiology. Um, and I was an athlete. I was a runner at University of Oregon. Uh, so I originally was, while going to school, working at health clubs. And then I realized uh, that there was an opportunity to open a personal training studio in 1990. And back then, there wasn't a lot of personal training at all in health clubs. Actually, it wasn't even personal training studios. There, there were some in LA and New York, but not in San Francisco. So I had a friend, he said, let's open a, a small studio in San Francisco. We opened in the right, uh, Cow Hollow area, which is right next to Pacific Heights. And uh, realized right away that it's a perfect location. And the reason is because it's right a, a very expensive area and the real estate was very expensive, the rent was. Uh, but my first three clients were a, a banker, a lawyer, and a rich widow. So I started personal training with him and uh, uh, it was very successful. And I, I opened up two other studios in San Francisco um, and had those through the 90s. Uh, got tired of no parking and got tired of uh, uh, all the smaller studios starting to open up. So I, I went to Marin County where there's you know a lot more parking and it's just a nicer area. Uh, and then bought a, uh, opened a club, developed it and opened it. Um, myself and my brother came out um, and uh, that was in Mill Valley. Um, that was in 1999. And so since then, uh, during the last recession, 2008, 2009, there was a couple opportunities to purchase clubs that were going out of business. So we ended up with three clubs and that's where we are now. Awesome. So you're, uh, you're like, uh, Michael Jordan mixed with the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> and I say that because you've done the three peat twice now, right? Three yes. Francisco, loaded up the truck and moved to Marin and, and now you're back for a second three peat. So it's, uh, it's interesting. And I'm sure the three that started probably resemble in almost no way, shape or form the, the, the three that you have now, because so many years of evolution and, and changing and updating different, different trends, different things that work in fitness, technology, equipment. So, I mean, first hats off, you know, kudos to you for, for staying in the game for this long. A lot of people will cash their chips in, in a much shorter period of time, but there's going to be some passion behind it. Uh, for me, I'm always interested to know how much of it is a love of fitness and training for you and how much is it of a love of playing the game of business and where do they, where do they intersect and, and how do they complement each other? It's a great question. Um, you know, I have my degree, so I'm a practitioner in the field. So I was a personal trainer and coach. And um, we now actually train trainers. I have, we're also a licensed contractor by NESM to certify personal trainers, which we have done for 20, 20 years also. So I have that passion on that side. But my, I grew up in a family business. My dad was uh, in the grocery business. I worked with my family, my brothers. So it was kind of a natural evolution when I opened my, my club, Body Kinetics, that my brothers would come work with me, and I work with two of them now. So, uh, so, the, so the entrepreneur in me loves the challenge of, of you know, how do you construct a business? How do you put it together? How do you get the, the players in place, in essence, the employees, and how do you get the programming set? And how do you make it attractive to people and the marketing of it? Um, that, is, that, that is always so fascinating to me, how to do that. 
uh, along with being the practitioner. And and I think what's also is really interesting, and you you know you being a business owner yourself, is the design aspect of it. Um, you know, I also studied art uh, when I was in high school, a little bit in college too. So the design aspect, as you know, in gyms is really really crucial. So you it has to be attractive, uh, and it has to have certain elements to it. Um, one of the things that I realized being in Marin County, which was it's a very wealthy county. Um, the price of homes are very expensive. The rent's very expensive. And uh, what I learned really quickly is I designed my first club to attract women. And I was like, well, why would you do that? And from a design standpoint, because if women will go there, men will follow. That's kind of a, <laughs> what we always thought. Because most people build gyms for men. They build a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, uh, free weights, uh, a lot of barbells, a lot of other stuff. And that's really not the demographic of Marin County. Uh, yes, of course, there's men there, but there's a lot of women there, and they want certain aesthetic uh, things going on. They want it. So when we built the first club, it was like, okay, it has to be, um, has to smell good. It has to be a certain look. A lot of greenery, a lot of open openness to it, windows, uh, and that was kind of because of the area that I was opening the club, and the demographic kind of led itself to to be developed that way. So that was uh, that's what that's what we. As we did, boy, lots, lots of uh, of thought. There's not. It doesn't sound like a lot of ready fire aim here. It sounds like a lot of, you know, whether your your ideas, best laid plans, go to waste, and how perfectly you think you can lay it out. It sounds like everything is at least done with this measure of planning, sort of methodically, really, really thoughtfully towards who do we want to serve. Why do we want to be in these locations? It's not throw up stakes and, you know, if you build it, they will come. There's there's really been that interplay of how can we apply all these business tactics to, you know, our delivery system, which just happens to be fitness. But it's right. It's a people business. It's a service business. It's just a matter of what widget do you use, right? Absolutely. I think that the mistake that most people make going into the fitness business is they look for a space that has low rent and has big openness to it. And you have mistake they make is they're not gonna attract the certain client they may wanna train. People who do personal training have more money, they have more affluence, so they can afford it. And so if you don't put your facility around those people, they're not gonna go there. They want something a little nicer. They want something that is, um, that's more personalized, it's more specific to them and not more general. And so you have to really look at what you're, who you're trying to attract, and then how to design it in a way that, that they will go there. And, and so that's what we we did. Um, and again, uh, I think that when you hit a certain, uh, you know, programming that has to surround that, and you hit a certain level of, of, of I think, confidence in yourself and what you're producing and what you're doing, and people recognize that, like, okay, this guy, he's educated, he knows what he's doing. Um, it's not as difficult. I think that if you if you 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 give back to the community in that way, uh, explain what you're trying to do, uh, they get it, and uh, I think that's that's crucial to make it successful. For sure, for sure. So, for the amount of time that you've you've been in business, a lot of things that you've seen, there's been ebbs and flows. There's been economic turns. There's been political turns. There's there's been a pandemic. Um, 
you know, what, what would you say have been, you know, some of the, the, the biggest opportunities that you've taken, whether it's changing training methodologies, whether it's the way you address billing or the way that uh, attendance is tracked or for any of these things, like, where do you feel like the biggest wins have come in the way you run a business from some of the, the things that people would see as a negative that have happened over the years? Well, if you look at URSA, International Health and Record Sports Association's surveys for the last, I don't know, 10 years in a row, the number one thing that people want, club owners wanted, number one thing they wanted was more personal trainers because the demand for personal training has gone up considerably over the years, consistently. So how do you attract and grow your business by getting personal trainers? I mean, you can put an ad on Craigslist, but hardly anyone applies. So what do you do? How do you, how do you expand? How, how, do you, how do you do that? So one of the things that I realized early on, I think what, what made me successful is I'm educated in the field. I started training trainers. And by training trainers, I was able to uh, have a, a larger number of trainers for one, two, they were very loyal to us because we trained them and we trained them in our methodology. How that we, how does body kinetic style or what is our culture like? How do we present it? Um, how do we set fitness and training? And I think that gave us a huge advantage. Um, we started uh, getting trainers sent from other clubs for us to train them, not in our immediate area, but from other areas because they did not have qualified trainers. And so we, we started doing an enormous amount of personal training um, before COVID hit. And even during downturns, like the 2008, 2009 um, downturn, a lot of people got unemployed, as you remember, real estate prices crashed, people lost their jobs. And so when people lose their jobs, what do they do? They have to get a new job, so they have to interview. And, and what leads to an interview, you have to take care of yourself. You have to look good, you have to exercise. So a lot of people actually were unemployed, but also working out, trying to get healthy at the same time. So that lent itself really well to our business because that's what we were providing people to get in shape, look better in an interview, be able to uh, then land the job that they wanted. So we certainly uh, during those times consolidated in some ways, but we actually grew in 2008, 2009 and uh, opened up two other clubs that were struggling. Um, and then because we could develop personnel, then we could fill those clubs with personal trainers too. And so uh, I would say my takeaway or my success, if I could lay anything to other owners out there, is figure out a way to work with NESM or ACE or ACSM or company or certification body that will uh, help you uh, help you train trainers, help you find trainers, and get someone in your business that can be a master trainer, is a master trainer, and uh, and develop these these younger trainers coming on because you know, that's a, really going to be a key to your success. Yeah, I want to dive into that a little bit more. And I know that you've, you've spoken a little bit, but can you give a little bit more insight to, you know, I, I don't want you to, to give away uh, secret recipes here or anything, but you have your Body Kinetics Academy, which is a trainer training program that's partnered with NASM. What was the, the genesis of that, the timeline and um, how to have you work that in? I mean, one of the things that we hear the most in all aspects of training these days, big facilities, small facilities is, 
I can't find trainers. I can't find the trainers I want. It's, it's, you know, does anybody have a trainer factory? And, and I think you can be your own trainer factory and it absolutely at, you know, not in anyone else's mercy. And I'd love to hear even a little bit more in depth if we can on your execution of that. Great, great question. Um, you know, again, I graduated from uh, Cal State Hayward at the time. I had a master's degree in sports psychology, coaching, uh, kinesiology. Uh, I was an athlete uh, before that at University of Oregon. I ran track, cross country. Um, and so I was a practitioner. And I, when I started working in, in the field, uh, I, was, I, I developed my personal training skills and I started training. So I opened my first studio. It was me and another guy. We were just trainers. And he left after a short period of time because he didn't like the business side of it. And I'm like, well, I, 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 you have to do both. You have to like the business side of it and you have to be passionate about fitness. And so I started hiring people to work in my studio and I realized that they didn't know what they were doing. It was back in 1990, there was no training. I mean, there was no NASM actually. <laughs> there wasn't, I mean, there was aerobic certification, as you know, but there wasn't much else. And so- Just you I, and Jimmy Fonda. Yeah, that was, was it. It was it. You know, I started I started working in health clubs in 1985. I taught low impact aerobics. I worked overseas, you know, so uh, I had that background um, early on. And uh, so I, I, I realized right away that my success and this is really important for personal trainers to realize that. And if if you're not working, you're not making money. And that's the life of a personal training. If I'm not, if I don't have a body in front of me that I'm training, I'm not making any money. And I realized that right away when I started training 35, 40 hours a week, that this is, this is hard. This is a lot of work. I said, well, I, I really don't want to develop. I don't want to, I want to develop business where I can, I can make money when other people are training. So I said, I have to replace myself. So I, I started teaching other people how to become personal trainers. And I didn't care if, who they got certifica certification with. So I said, I'm gonna train you to be a trainer. You go out and get your own certification, come back and, and we'll be great together. And so I started doing it that way in the early nineties. And in the late nineties, I realized after having three clubs that everyone had a different certification. They were all doing a different style and they were all do doing a different evaluation. And I'm like, wait, this isn't working anymore. Uh, so then we partnered with NESM. I actually went to their office and I presented this idea of having a school, not a school, it's actually a hands-on training program in a health club setting. And they said, well, we don't have that model. We have schools that we train people out of and we have online courses, but there's no hands-on course. And then, well, that's what we have. We have a hands-on course because it's taught by personal trainers in a health club setting because that's where it happens. And they're like, well, okay, good for you. Go and do it. Um, so we've been doing that now for a lot of years. We certified over 500 people with them. So yeah, we, 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 uh, so we buy their certifications and then we resell them to, you know, people, we charge them, uh, you know, between 2000, $3,000 to be certified with us. Uh, so they actually pay us to certify them and then we hire the best ones. So, um, if you think of that as a business model, that's pretty smart. I mean, it's pretty incredible to be able to do that. And we have successfully done that for, you know, 25 years. And that's why we have always succeeded, even during difficult times. So um, that's going to be really important. For, if you're a business owner and you're not a practitioner in this field, you're like, okay, how do I do that? Then you have to find someone who is. Find a master trainer. That's all. And then NESM offers lots of different programs, as you know. 
not only a CPT program, which is certified personal trainer, but they offer, you know, corrective exercise specialists, you know, performance exercise specialist, nutrition, uh, and also all the aerobic, including cycling uh, certifications too. So you can partner with someone like that and, and have your staff be committed and have someone in your staff as a master trainer be committed that you that they're there for development. Think of it as these are your clients. You know, if you're a personal trainer, your clients are your clients that are paying you, right? But in my mind, as an owner, my clients are my my master trainers and my COO. Those are my clients. If I spend time with them and developing them, they develop my staff for me. So that's crucial to grow my business. I can't grow my business myself. I need other people to help me grow. And so that's what I've done successfully. Fantastic. It's so far in my in my travels, in my conversations, I've I've now I've met you and one other person who's on the East Coast who who do these similar things, train tons of trainers, pick the best of the best out of them and then hire them. So they they have their own trainer factory, finding the people that are are the best fit. The only thing that I wanted to to hop in there on and ask is how do you find the people to put through it? Uh, do you have a process where you're seeking the best and the brightest somehow or people getting funneled to you? Uh, how do you find the actual people? And, and I'm not even saying if somebody wants to do it on the scale that, that you are, I think certifying your own trainers or pushing people through the process is the best way. But how do you identify the people that you want to include? That's, when I say you, I mean as a company, not you personally, because there's only so much of you to go around. Yeah, it was super challenging. It was super challenging. When you, one of the places to look is people who love to work out. So your members would be your first place because they they are uh, an easy source. You easy, you know them, and you ha you you probably know the people that would make good candidates because you see them in the gym. You can build those relationships with them already. Uh, two uh, athletes in schools, people who have graduated. Um, we offer summer programs to kids coming home from college. We specifically look at ones that are universities uh, majoring in kinesiology, uh, looking at, at those candidates. Uh, they come in for a summer program or they come back to work out for the summer. And, and, and of course, you get to evaluate them while they're there. Like, hey, uh, have you ever thought of getting in the fitness field? So I do a lot of that. If I see someone who has a really good personality that uh, is not afraid to present themselves, because uh, we can train them to be trainers. There's, there's two things you can't train people to do. And you can't train them to have a passion for fitness. You can't train them to care about people. They have to have that kind of ingrained. That's coming in. The rest of it I can train. The technical aspect I can train. Uh, that's not difficult. It's pretty much, this is how you lift a weight. This is how you, you do cardiovascular. This is the training effect you're going to get. So those things are teachable. Um, so you have to be vigilant. I'm going out and looking at meeting people, you know, at different businesses, which I've done. I, I know pe people that have, that, that work out besides working at Starbucks, you know, and, and, or at a, at a different store or a restaurant. Um, so I've approached people that I, I thought they had great personalities and trained them. There's a lot of people that, have, that have cha are changing careers, especially at midlife. And, and don't be afraid to, to retrain people or that have been in the workforce. I think they are actually the best candidates you can get. There are people who are transitioning from other fields because they have experience working. And especially in sales, anybody who's been in sales or marketing, great candidates uh, to teach them the fitness field. 
um, because they can easily attract clients to themselves. They know how to speak well. Um, they know how to present themselves uh, and show their passion uh, easier. So uh, it's, it's not easy. And, and we, we have also advertising on places like Craigslist for certified trainers and say, if you're not certified, we can also teach you. So that's what we've also done. Super, super valuable. I really appreciate you going into, into depth about that. So we, we can see your background. We can see where, you know, business and fitness and passion overlap. And um, you've weathered the storm in, in a, a various different ways. And I'm sure a lot of that, more than we can get into with time here, is, is just adapting, changing with the time so you don't get left behind. And, uh, you know, having, having two business models in one, essentially, a lot going there. Um, as we sit here in, in 2022, um, COVID, I know California has been one of the hardest hit states and, you know, we never know if we're near out of the woods or not. So that is one thing, but for someone like you, with your experience, you know that no matter what, you're never staying stagnant, right? You're either, you're either growing or you're dying in one way or another as a business. So COVID is, um, you know, that horse has kind of been beaten to death and, and we can touch on it a little as it relates, but as we sit here, you know, what challenges are in front of you with the business, this mature business that's been around a long time and has a lot under its belt and how are you addressing those? That's been, uh, you know, my 32 years in business, this has been the most challenging time. And the reason is, uh, is because it affected all the entire business at once. You may have, you may have uh, several locations um, if you're a business owner in this field, because there's a, there's a sweet spot, as you know, one location is great, but really the sweet spot is three. As you notice, I went three, three in San Francisco, now three in Marin. And someone told me one time, it's because you as the owner can only spread yourself and spread the gold, they said, the gold dust over three locations. If you get more than three, it becomes more corporate, it becomes less personalized. So that's kind of built into our business model there. Uh, three locations also uh, spreads out your cost of some things that are just fixed, like your bookkeeping, okay? One location, you have the same bookkeeping or three locations, just more numbers. So, uh, you know, a club manager or, or someone can, can manage more than just one club, in essence, too. They can manage personal trainers at several clubs. We can all meet at one place and have trainings. So it's a lot easier from a cost standpoint to have three. Um, how we managed during COVID um, is, of course, there's been a personnel shortage, and that's been the, the real difficult time is we lost a lot of personal trainers. We closed down for three months in California, um, and we had to furlough all our employees, except for maybe just a very few of them. And the personal trainers went out and started training on their own, and they didn't come back, many of them. I would say maybe a third came back, which has been really, really challenging for us. Um, the thing that has carried us through, and I think more than other companies, is a lot of our, our brands, as you know, Gold's Gym, uh, 24 Fitness, a lot of them have went under file bankruptcy, and we didn't do that. And the reason is because we reached out to our community. The first thing we did is we lent out um, all our cycle bikes. We have 100 spin bikes. So we lent them all out. We, gave, I, I, we have a truck and I drove them to people's homes and said, here's a bike. I started teaching cycle out of my garage, you know, back to old school, back to the way we did it, you know, 30 years ago. And it was like, you know, boots on the ground and let's just do what we need to do to make this work. 
And so we kept, uh, you know, we, you know, people went on freeze, as you know, most people, uh, but we kept 25 to 30% of our people paying their dues still, which, which was really the difference of failure or not failure. And, and that, that, that money, along with, of course, the PPP money and other government support that we got, uh, led us uh, to this point where we have carried through. And uh, we're at the point now where we're a smaller, leaner company, uh, but we are at break even now, which is, um, uh, which is, which is great because the PPP, the second PPP money, the grant just, uh, you know, flowed through and, and we finished with that. And now it's time for us to stand on our own. And so it's been very, uh, very helpful. The government has been very helpful. I'm very appreciative uh, and, and, uh, of what they've done to support us. Um, and we couldn't have done it without them, no question. Uh, and also, but also it is the members and the community that we created that, that, that allowed us to be able to continue. And they stuck with us, paying their dues, coming or not coming, they, they were doing that. And of course we were closed indoors for a long time and just doing outdoor fitness then for, for many months also. So um, that's, that's how we have done it. And again, we're still training people. Um, I had two conversations today, actually, a, a, a guy who was a, a great college athlete. Uh, he's been in the tech field, worked for Google and Apple. And he calls me, says, I want to get out of this field. I want to get back into my uh, athletics and working out with people and doing that thing. And, you know, he was like a, a 407 miler or something. Wow. Four or three miler. So, I mean, he was a great athlete. And so, you know, there's people out there that want to be in our field still, even though they're hard to find at times now, but they're out there. Wow. All right, man, you, you, uh, you're helping me pack a lot into this episode and, and I really appreciate you appreciate your, your transparency and the value that you have to give here. So that's, that's fantastic. Uh, we're nearly out of time here and, um, I think we started to touch on it a little bit, but I want to give you a little, you know, a little more open forum to share with our audience. Um, any other lessons, mantras, uh, advice that you'd give to your younger self, anything else that you think uh, for being as long as you have been in the business of fitness and having your level of success that you'd like to share that you wish you might've known sooner or that you'd, you'd like other people in the business to know? Yes, yeah. Um, one thing that I have done uh, repeatedly is continue to educate myself. I think that even though I have a master's degree, even though I have lots of certifications, um, you know, I, I was I'm I'm Parisi certified in speed school. I'm I'm uh, you know, there's a lot of different things that I've done. Um, I've gone to Ursa convention probably 30 times. <laughs> way back in the day uh, where it was in San Diego or San Francisco most of the time. And um, uh, there's just so, there's so much wealth of information out there for you to grasp as an owner and to keep up with, because things are much, much different now than they were in 1990. <laughs> I mean, I started my, I started personal training and teaching step aerobics. That's what I was doing in 1990. So, I mean, where I am now compared to that is such a, it's, it's, it's unbelievably different of the information that's available, the technology which is available, and the technology is huge. So, as a business owner, I really think that you know, just embracing it, embracing the technology that's out there, and utilizing the software systems that are out there is key to your business too. Um, so that would be my first thing: is 
there's always more to learn. Learn from learn from others. Be part of a, a networking group. Be part of a, a roundtable. Learn from other business owners. There's incredible minds out there in our field that if you're not taking advantage of them, that's a, it's a huge mistake because they can help you with your business. Um, I had one woman that was a consultant, and she's and I said we're really struggling to pay for equipment to upgrade all the time. And she said, Well, do you have have you ever charged an enhancement fee? I'm like, No, what's that? She said, well, we charge $20 a year or $25 a year or something like that. And we just charge it once and we buy it. We tell people what we're going to do. We buy equipment. I'm like, you do? That saved my business. I started doing that and now we're up to $50 a year and I collect about a hundred grand uh, to buy equipment. So I tell people, this is what we're going to do. Look, we're, we're buying all this. We're doing all that. And, you know, they don't mind it. They actually don't mind spending extra dollars to enhance their facilities and I think a big mistake is for clubs to take on debt, continue to take on debt, to buy equipment. I said, no, let, let your clients fund it. Give them a role in what it is you're going to buy or what you're going to do. And they're very supportive. They don't mind. And so I think that also changed my business. Um, the last thing that I want to leave people with is it's really all about community. It's, we're, we're a health club. And the reason we call it Body Connects Health Club is because we're a club. A club is part, you're a member of that club. You're part of a, of a community. And I'll give you a little story. I had a client, she was paying her dues and we were closed down indoors. It was miserable and raining outdoors. She comes to the club, she takes off, puts her umbrella down. And she said, you know why I'm here? And I'm like, no, she says, you know, I can work out at home. I can work out in my garage. I'm here because I want to work out with other people. That's why I miss my community. In the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a rainstorm, she misses her community. And if you don't create that kind of community within your clubs, then you're not going to have the support you need when you really need it. Like I said, we have a lot of people who pay their dues without even coming to the club because they wanted to support us. And they wanted us to be there when we were fully open again. And I was blown away by that of how much support I got. And that surprised me more than I realized. The, the sense of community that we created in three different facilities, because they're not that close to each other. They're 10 to 15 miles apart. They don't really know each other, but we created three separate communities within those clubs. And that will be the secret to your business. That is the secret sauce right there. Oof. That man, my only regret is that we don't have more time, but this is one of those uh, hit the rewind button, listen to this two or three times. If, if you're cruising in the car and, and, and you didn't pick up a lot, if you don't have a notebook, rewind, listen to this thing again, save it. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of gems in here. And uh, we've had a lot of great guests and uh, Michael, I'm thankful to you that you somehow have the ability to be thorough and concise at the same time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you've you've put a lot out there in the 30 minutes or so we've been on the air. So thank you so much for that. I, I truly appreciate it. And I appreciate you spending uh, a little bit of your day with us here today. Well, thank you, Dominic. I just want to acknowledge you for providing this kind of education to the listeners out there. I think that this kind of information is invaluable to grow your business, to learn. And I really appreciate what you guys do. Thank you so much, sir. And to everyone out there listening, as always, 
We appreciate you. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. If you'd like to hear more, make sure you hit the subscribe button. To everyone out there in Jim Lord's Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives, keep kicking butt. Jim Lord's out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords Podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. My name is Bree. I'll be your host today, and I am here with Vincent from Kenmore Barbell and Fitness in Buffalo, New York. What's up, Vincent? How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right. Let's jump right into the details here. What is it that made you want to own your own gym? Well, I mean, at the time... I think it was, I got yelled at at a commercial gym for deadlifting and I was annoyed. That'll do it. <laughs> um, but I think deep down it was, I just wanted to provide people a space to, you know, come together and, and just pursue goals that they had and, and just be around like-minded individuals. Yes. Um, and then of course, at the time there wasn't really anything and no powerlifting style gyms or even barbell style gyms in general in the area. Mm -hmm. So I figured let's just jump in and see what happens. Yes. And here we are now. So turned out okay. to be a pretty good idea, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So it started with the basis of providing, basically providing a gym that you would like to go to essentially that you could do the style of lifts that you wanted to do and not have to worry about. Yeah, pretty much. People, didn't have to, you know, I wasn't being yelled at and scolded for, you know, using the gym. Um, right. <laughs> you know, it's some days you felt like you're in a library where you couldn't make noise. Um, yes. But no, we didn't want that. We wanted just, again, like you said, a place where people can come and just lift and, and, you know, there's a community of people that are all like-minded. There's people that, you know, haven't even touched a barbell and they mm -hmm. just, you know, it, it changes their life. And that's, that's pretty cool too. So I think, yeah. you know, what it's turned into is certainly not what I had imagined. Um, but I, I wouldn't change it for, for the world, I guess. So yeah, here absolutely. we are talking about here it. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now as far as your business model goes how do you structure things so are you doing one-on-one -on -one training semi-privates group classes what does that look like well we offer a couple things so we have you know an open gym membership like any you know commercial gym just about any gym would have uh, we offer that 
um, because we do have quite the uh, demographic for that. Um, we do offer personal training um, when we have, you know, individual coaching services for powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, strongman, uh, stuff of that nature. So pretty much what most gyms have. Um, we just don't offer classes. Uh, there's just not enough space um, and it's mm -hmm. not really the vibe at, at our facility. Um, yeah. But yeah. But yeah, pretty much, you know, like any gym, we offer, you know, basic memberships and then additional services that people can can pay for if they wish. Um, but they're certainly not forced to at all. Right. OK, so now do most people have like a, a basic membership for access to open gym and then add additional services onto that? Is that typically how it works or do you offer different like tiered memberships depending um, on what? mostly the the the, the former there um mm -hmm. we have the open gym uh we have tiers of that open gym because not everybody wants to do a full year um okay. so we offer three six and 12 month options um everything is well used to be paid up front but i i took a few mentorship courses during the the shutdown because i was bored and mm -hmm. learned that you know, having things build month to month through installments would, would be a better business, you know, I guess, model for a gym. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, we switched over to that just recently. Um, I think as we reopened last year, so yeah, okay. everything's kind of tiered. And then like you mentioned, there's, there's other services people can, can tack on, um, like I said, personal training, um, uh, coaching services for for the other barbell sports and then a neat thing we do offer is uh mostly mostly with the personal training is um you don't have to have a membership to to uh have the personal training you're just limited to you know how often you could be at the facility right so, okay you know again not everybody wants to pay for an open gym on top of a personal training service and you know vice versa so we try to make it affordable for everybody and, and just find ways that can get you know as many people in the door um, as mm -hmm. possible but you know in an affordable way as well yeah absolutely that completely makes sense so now you said that your memberships prior to covid were all paid in full yep yep and they were pretty okay. they were cheap cheaper um mm -hmm. i mean for for our area too we got to keep that in mind um mm -hmm. we are in we're in new york but we're not in you know new york city so, and a lot of people get confused with that. So any, anyone from New York listening, it's, you know, we're, we're in that Western New York area. Um, yeah. The Buffalo, New York, you know, is most the biggest city here, you know, second largest city in the state, but right. largest city, you know, outside of the, the, the large New York city. Um, so yeah, the, the demographic and then the area came to into play there. Um, but and you're going to laugh at me. I used to do everything kind of pen and paper and just up in my head. And that just, you know, I think in the long run costed me a lot of money. Um, so, you know, it took me five years, but I finally got into a software um, based approach with the memberships um, using Zen planner. Uh, that was mm -hmm. another thing that I took away from the mentorship that I had participated in. Um, yeah just, you know, just ways to make things more efficient and easy going for myself. And, you know, the money still comes in monthly and you don't have to chase people down and, yeah, and bug them. Huge. And, you know, it's, it's just, yeah. yeah, it's uncomfortable sometimes. And, you know, then people, you feel kind of like desperate asking people for money. 
So yes. it's just, you know, you're asking them for their, for their membership fee. So now everything's automated right. and, you know, it's, it's just seamless now, which is great. Yeah. hundred percent takes a lot of the workload off of your plate as mm-hmm. far as chasing people down monthly for their membership fees. Now, Absolutely. is that, that an option that you still offer people like to do a paid in full option at a discounted rate? So like they're, um, they're paying for 12 months up front, but they get like two months free or they get 20% off or 10% off, whatever it might be to also to bring in some front end cash anyway, and then also have those memberships to allow, you know, that monthly recurring revenue and build things kind of like on the back end there. Is that still an option or that's just something you've got rid of? It's uh, it's always an option. And, mm-hmm. um, but our prices did go up quite a bit. Um, but with that, we kind of grandfathered anybody in that was on the, you know, pre-existing prices. So sometimes right. the, the pre-existing priced members will just pay in full year to year. Um, mm-hmm. And that's nice, but I, I do actually honestly prefer the just month to month income because it's, you yeah. know, it's steady and you, you know, you're not stressing out about, oh, we need so-and-so to pay. We need one paid in full membership and we'll be okay this month. But, yes. you know, mm-hmm. it's just the steady income is nice and it's been a lot easier to just kind of operate day to day, knowing that yeah. the money's going to be there consistently versus right. stressing about it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it makes uh, tracking things easier too. And oh, now absolutely. with that being said, are you, do you do like three month contracts, six months, 12 months like that? Like how yeah. does, how does that work for your, on the agreement side of things? So, I mean, the, the more you buy, so if you buy a 12 year, it, it, the, the rate per month is the cheapest. Mm-hmm. Um, so the more you buy, the, the lower the rate becomes. Um, and basically it's just, you agree to the contract and then we, we do offer a cancellation policy because I think it's appropriate, yes. um, you know, within 10 days for any reason you may cancel, um, after that, if you choose to cancel, which doesn't happen often, but it does here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, there you're, you're required to pay 40% of what's left. Um, okay. so it, it's a way for us to still, you know, make a little bit of money off of that, you know, mm-hmm. cause it's, again, it's not a gym. It's not that it's, we don't welcome everybody, but it's, again, it's a barbell gym. It's a little different vibe than, you know, a planet fitness or something. So, right. um, some people, you know, they join and then it, they just realize it's not for them. Um, mm-hmm. and then within that contract, things just automatically renew, um, unless again, we're notified otherwise. So, right. just, okay. you know, just like how any gym would operate really. Um, yeah. unfortunately there is responsibility on the, the gym goer to notify us and all of that. And, you know, and yes. there's certainly times where being a smaller facility, I can I'll notice when someone, a certain, somebody's not around, and I'll reach out and just see how they're doing. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's hard to keep track of everybody. So, yeah, um, for sure. But, but yeah, so we offer a bunch of stuff and we, we, everything's laid out in agreements through Zen planner that goes out, you know, as they sign up, um, mm-hmm. they're prompted to create an account and all of that. So they have all the documents. And of course, if they choose to read them, that's up to them. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes they're surprised when I say, yeah, well, there's this uh, cancellation policy here that you forgot to read. So, yes. <laughs> um, you know, you owe me this, but you know, it is, it is what it is. And 
you know, whatever. So, right. Yeah. Well, I asked that specifically because there are so many gym owners that I've spoken with, especially recently that are on month to month agreements. And when I was in my facility, I hated month to month agreements. And I always tell them that, you know, like I hated month to month agreements because it, the level of commitment, first of all, from the client is super low. So the chances of them actually reaching whatever goal it is that they're looking to reach are lowered right off the bat. And then also, you know, from a business standpoint, it makes it really hard to track what you've got coming in on a monthly basis, because there's no guarantee that you're getting the same amount next month as you did this month. And, you know, it's really hard to develop some type of a baseline and track things. And I think people are afraid almost to lay down some of those, um, some of those things regarding agreements and, and cancellation fees and things of that nature because they don't want to scare people off or people have had bad um, experiences in the past or whatever it might be. But it's like, you know, it can prevent so many issues. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, it's just basic business practice, really. Um, I mean, it's, you're just protecting yourself really at the end of the day here, here's, Mm -hmm. here's what you get. Um, You know, it's your, your choice to read the agreement or not. Uh, I think that goes with anything. So if they're not aware of something, it's probably due to the fact they didn't read. Um, And, you know, it is what it is. And, it's funny you mentioned the month to month thing. I don't even offer a single month option, um, yeah. at least publicly on our website. It's, you know, it's there if someone needed it, but it's more for like a person who's in the area for a month um, right. or something like that. And I charge an arm and a leg for that single month option because it's, it's a single month and right. I just want to get the most out of it that I can. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know sometimes, yeah, you have to, you have to look at things that way. And um, like I said, I think sometimes people are afraid to kind of lay down those, lay down the law, essentially. Yeah. I mean, and, I, uh, I think, I think I was that person prior to the pandemic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the pandemic certainly changed my, my perspective on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just like, you know, we, we were fortunate to survive that shutdown. Yes. Um, and, you know, had another one happen, I probably would have been fine, but I didn't want to, you know, guess. I just wanted to know we would be okay. Mm-hmm. So I implemented a lot of changes and just made things easier for members, you know, current members and, and incoming members. And of course it makes my life a little easier too. So, yes. you know, I for was sure. that, I was that gym owner. And then I just, again, I was a, took a mentorship course, um, kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things. And I just, you know, I just said, Hey, I got to put my foot down. I got to do, mm-hmm. you know, what's best for the business as a whole, um, or at least what I think is best. And you just mm-hmm. take it from there and you, you live and learn and you'll make some mistakes and it is what it is. So, right. but yeah. it's, it's worked out for the better. And, you know, we have a lot of new faces in the gym. Um, we have a, a pretty large student demographic. And that's another, another thing I didn't mention with our memberships, we do offer student rates, um, simply because we are pretty much in the center of all the colleges that, you know, exist in the area. So, mm-hmm. and there's a, a good handful of them. So right. we get quite a bit of, quite a few students in our, in our facility. Um, 
the only thing that sucks with that is, you know, when they have their break, uh, it's yeah. generally some income we're not bringing in, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's offset with the, the, the loyal members that continue to show up day in and day out, um, right. despite, you know, everything going on. So, yeah. Absolutely. So now, as far as getting new people in the door goes, how are you acquiring new clients? Is it mostly word of mouth referral based or are you doing any type of paid advertising like through Instagram, Facebook, Google, anything of that nature? How does that work for you? Uh, Generally word of mouth. That's been kind of how I've done things for the most part. Um, I think it's just kind of the best way to do it. It's free. Uh, as long as you're mm-hmm. providing a good service, um, done some advertising through Facebook, but I just don't really like Facebook anymore. So I don't use it often. Um, mm-hmm. nothing in terms of like advertising on Instagram, at least not like paid advertising. Um, right now I am doing like a, uh, the hell they call it. Um, some type of uh, targeted, I think it's targeted ad marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying that out for a few months just to see how it goes. Uh, Cause there is quite a few gyms in our area, you know, like crunch and all those commercial based facilities. And I know there's people out there that probably haven't heard of us um, or have been interested and just, you know, can't get around to making it in or whatever that, whatever it is they, they come up with. Um, mm-hmm. So I've been doing a little bit of that. That's been going pretty well. Um, but yeah, it's mainly just word of mouth and then this little trial with this targeted ad stuff. And then we do have some referral based stuff as well. Um, me personally, since I, I own the gym of course, and I also handle the personal or the powerlifting side of things. So I do have a referral program within that, uh, sector of things, um, as well. So there's just, you know, many ways, I guess, of generating new, new, new clientele, new business. Um, and it's been, been working out pretty good. So no complaints. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now is there a certain membership growth goal that you're looking to achieve or is it just like a constant, you know, a constant thing, um, always acquiring new clients, always getting new people in the door, just kind of keeping things moving or are you really targeting, a specific goal? Um, I, I wouldn't say there's like a specific number. Um, mm-hmm. Just steady growth, I think is the goal. Yeah. Um, and what's nice with Zen Planner, which I'm sure you're familiar with, mm-hmm. um, it, it tracks all of that. It charts all right. of that. So, you know, each month, you know, some months are more than others, but each month there's been a good, you know, climb upwards. And, and that's, that's really what I want to see. Um, right. Especially investing that, that money into a software like that. And, you know, the time that you put in day in and day out. And as long as there's a, a good climb upwards, you know, every month, just and consistently each year, that's all I'm really looking for. So, right. um, you know, always going to have your, your loyal clientele that's there no matter what. Um, and then you'll have, you know, new faces that pop in and they tell their friends, you get another new face here and there. And then before you know it, you have like 10 new members that you, you know, you didn't have the month prior. So, it's right. just, I kind of just let things happen organically. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really force stuff too much. And, you know, I don't want to crowd the facility either. It's, it's only a little over 4,000 square feet. So okay, it's a, it's a tiny fellow, but it, it serves its purpose. And I think, you know, over time, it's just the right people are here. Um, by that, I just mean people that, you know, want to be here. 
people that Mm -hmm. have goals, people that have just, you know, really came to love the, the, the community and the people here that, that make it what it is. So as long as we have that, that's, that's all that matters. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Adding to the community, getting more of the people that you want in your facility in the door. Absolutely. Um, So is there anything specific over the next six months to a year or so that you're really focused on within the business? Um, I mean, just, you know, we kind of just mentioned it, just that general growth, um, that's that's always a goal. Uh, but outside of that, we, uh, this past October, which wasn't too long ago, we just hosted a, uh, our first sanctioned USA powerlifting meet. So we'll be aiming to do that again next year in October. Um, assuming the sanction is approved and, and all of that. So I think for next year, I guess, is just to be able to host that again. And then mm-hmm. um, perhaps expand more space-wise, but I don't mm-hmm. know if we have room in the building here for that. Um, but, and I think long-term, because you may ask, I don't know, long-term I'd like to potentially, I mean, expansion's always on the on the list. Um, and possibly find you know a new location not to add a second location but to maybe move into and you know just add more space that way too it just depends you know if the situation's right and and whatnot so right um, there's always those big goals and and whatnot but you know as long as growth is still there and Mm -hmm. the community is still there and that's that's really what i'm looking for in terms of yeah you know, short-term stuff. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Grow the community, the membership base within the facility facility that you have. Right. Max that out. If that gets maxed out, then think about moving to that larger space. A lot of times gym owners get kind of excited beforehand and like start to get a good amount of members. And then they're automatically like thinking about that second location without before maxing out that first location so i mean we've had a plenty of days here where it's like wow we probably need more space and then Mm -hmm. and then you have your days where it's just like okay there's like five people here today yeah but that's you know that's every gym and right you know nobody wants to talk about that but i don't know i don't know if you you had that experience where there's just a certain day of the week where it's just super slow and you're oh yeah. Like, is it even worth being open today? But yeah, yeah. you know, if you shut down for the day, people will be mad and they'll go right. elsewhere and then you'll never see them again. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, we all have that. And, um, certain times of the year, I think winter months, I don't know what it is. People are just, they don't know, especially around here. I think they get that yeah. like seasonal depression. They're just, yes. they're just worn out from everything else. And, you know, you see them a little less, but uh, but yeah, there's, there's definitely those days where it's like, okay, if we expanded and, or bought new space and just had a larger gym, we'd be okay. So it's right. always the bigger goal. Um, and it certainly was something I was trending towards, you know, prior to the shutdown. So that, right. that kind of, that definitely derailed some plans I had. Um, yeah. but you know, they're, they're just on the back burner. They're not completely dead. Mm-hmm. It's just, I'm waiting for, you know, the appropriate time to revisit those. 
Yes, absolutely. Completely makes sense. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the the days of the week. Um, <laughs> you know, it was always like we always used to joke about it when I was in the gym was Mondays and Wednesdays were always so busy. And then like Tuesdays and Thursdays were quieter and we'd be like, where is everybody? And then we'd be like, oh, right. It's Tuesday. Yeah. So no, yeah. I, mine's always Wednesday for some reason. It's just Wednesday. just dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'll have, you, you know, you'll have your handful of folks and Right. whatever but it's just like wow and nobody wants to to train today it's kind of yeah. weird but it's that midweek slump <laughs> yeah i don't know and then fridays get really quiet too especially in yeah. the evening but because mm-hmm. i'm at the gym now and i think there's like one person here it's yeah. like it's it's wild so <laughs> yeah it's crazy how uh it changes so much just based on the day um one question that I always love to ask every gym owner that I speak with is if you could snap your fingers and improve one thing within your business right now today, what would that be and why? Oh boy. That's a loaded question. Um, I don't, (laughs) I don't don't know. That's a tough one. Um, I think maybe just more space would be the biggest thing for me. Um, just because, I'd like to lay out the facility a little differently, but with the space we have, we just had to find a way to make it work. Um, mm-hmm. Only I only say that because those days when it's really, really busy, um, yeah. like busier than usual, it does get a little cramped up in here and it's it gets really warm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people aren't generally like on top of each other waiting for equipment per se, but it's just, it's crowded and there's like, you can, you're, you're like, wow, that, that could be a safety hazard over there. Um, you know, and like, this could be a problem down the road, and, but, but I think it's just more space. And I think that's, you know, the only glaring issue I have. Um, I mean, some different equipment would be nice too, but we provide pretty top notch stuff for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the gym we have. So certainly better than, commercial gyms and and what have mm-hmm. you so yeah but yeah i think Absolutely. space is just it i think more space is always great um but as you mentioned you don't you, you, some people their eyes get too big and they don't have everything else in order uh, beforehand so right um, because with more space it just becomes more problems you know you yeah. more, more rent to pay <laughs> you know more space to clean um more, more space to fill even so yes, um, exactly you know mm-hmm. more sounds better but it's not always better Right. <laughs> I guess that's it. Because yeah. that's really all that comes to mind. I just there's really nothing, nothing else that really would be like, damn, if I had one wish, this would be it. Right. Yeah. That's that's it, really. And I I don't know what others have said in the past, but that that's mine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are all sorts of things that I hear about, but um sometimes it's a lot of things, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I have to narrow it down to one. Uh, but yeah, just a steady growth overall for you kind of seems to be the theme. So just yeah, steady. It's been, it, it's been steady. It's definitely not, you know, not steady. It's yeah. just, that's, right. I mean, that's what you want. You want to be able to go yes. home at night mm-hmm. and know you can, you're going to wake up and, you know, the gym will still be open. Um, yeah. And that's not especially just from now. my perspective. That's yeah. Especially now. I mean, that was, <laughs> That was a hell of a time. The things I did, yes. you know, I mean, we were, we were, it was kind of, the timing was nice. It sounds odd to say that, but we had plans to renovate and expand. So just as we shut down, we were starting that. So it helped us along in that way because 
you know, we weren't working around members and working yeah. during slower times. And, you know, it, 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 we could spend 10, 12 hours on certain days working at the facility, just improving stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that worked out because, you know, we were, we were taking out old flooring and repouring it with new concrete and like yeah. <laughs> that gets really dusty and just, 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 Quite the project. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, you're blocking off certain areas and, it's just, it, it was a project and that gave us the time and the, and the space to do that. So there's always a silver lining. Yes. Um, and I think that too, during the pandemic or the shutdown, I should say, it, mm-hmm. it allowed me to see and find the silver linings in a lot of things. So yes. that was one of them. Um, and it really gave us that time again to like really focus on the smaller details too. Like just, mm-hmm. just making sure things were the way we wanted them. Um, and not just rushing through and kind of just, you know, half-assing the project just to get it done. So that right. in people's way. So, yeah, you know, there, mm-hmm. that worked out. And then, you know, it was, you know, we didn't, we had no idea when the hell we were going to reopen. Um, we we're, you know, it seemed like we were promised just a couple weeks, two, three weeks, and we'd be pulling with some restrictions and it yeah. two weeks turned into, you know, not the case. six months. So, <laughs> yeah. um, mm-hmm. We were, during the summer months, I was outside with equipment. I'd drag it out every day. Um, Mm -hmm. We'd be out there for four or five hours a day. Um, I'd take a little break. I'd go home. I'd come back for the evening. Um, And it was just, it was just ridiculous. Uh, Just the sun is just beaming down. Um, Sometimes you get rained on and you're like, what the hell? Now we you know, rush the equipment back in so it doesn't rust out. And then you're like, well, let's just go inside and we're not supposed to be indoors. So it's like, and you're just making sure there's no, you know, cops or anything. People Mm -hmm. just being nosy and, you know, not minding their own business. Um, It was just chaotic. And then there was a time I had equipment in my basement. I was training people out of my basement at home. Um, just anything I could do to just help people keep going was, Mm -hmm. was what I was doing. Um, and then I think, I don't know about, uh, the Boston area or anywhere else really, but we got shut down a second time briefly and that was, that was brutal. So, um, cause we didn't know how long that was going to be. Um, and of course too, we're still labeled as non-essential, which, yeah which is crazy mind-boggling to me but i know know, you know so that was like okay what the hell do we do now so Mm -hmm. we rented out more equipment and and oh three weeks later you can reopen it's like okay so it just felt like a waste of time but we weren't really sure how long we were being shut down for and we're like we got to find a little way to make a little money here Um, right you know we weren't charging an arm and a leg for stuff but like Mm -hmm. you know a couple cents here for per pound of whatever, however many plates you wanted to take, you know, sold some bars, sold some stuff too, which was nice. And, you know, upgraded some equipment too. And, and all of that. So it wasn't all bad. It was just very frustrating and very, just a lot of unknowns and just exactly. when the hell are we going to be able to just operate business and, and, and get back to somewhat right. normal. Yes, so, for sure. So yeah. I mean, there were definitely some, some good things that came of it for sure for a lot of people, but um, definitely a lot of negatives as well. Yeah. And it's funny when you mentioned um, training outside and then like having to come inside and like making sure that there aren't any cops around or anything. Uh, One time 
in my facility, somebody called the cops on us. I believe it. I believe and it. And they showed up and <laughs> they were like, yeah, well, somebody just called us. So we had to come, but it's fine. Yeah. I mean, just <laughs> but it was there. unbelievable that, you know, somebody was like, oh, there's too many people in there and yeah, literally called the cops. It's unbelievable. It's a, yeah. It's just, just people yeah. just don't mind their own business. But no, <laughs> as if we weren't shut down for six months and we're just trying right. to get back on our feet, like just, just leave us alone. Like, exactly just hell? trying to put dinner on the table that's all we're doing <laughs> you know? it's like yep but whatever it's i think over now and again things are trending back to what seems to be normal and yeah. growth has been great and that's that so we we yeah. survived and we moved forward and we're just just you know we're keeping on and that's all we can do absolutely Absolutely. All righty. So as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? Um, well, I primarily use Instagram. So uh, you could find me at VIN at Kenmore Barbell um, or VIN Kenmore Barbell or whatever it is. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think that's what it is. The other one I mentioned, that's my email if they wanted to email me, um, VIN at KenmoreBarbell.com. Um, and then we have for the gym itself, they have our, a page on Instagram, just Kenmore Barbell. Uh, if people wanted to follow and, you know, message us or drop in if they're ever in the area, um, we're always welcoming to drop ins. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much our, my, my social media experience. I would, uh, honestly prefer to not have to use it, but it's yeah. the world we live in. So I, I do my Part best. Of the game do, now. Yeah, I do my best. Um, but I'm not a, uh, not a big social media guy, um, but I do use it for parts of my coaching services. So um, it does become rather important, but I hate sitting on it and scrolling and seeing nonsense all day. So, yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, right. that's that. And I think actually, sorry, the, the, my Instagram is Vin uh, dot Kenmore Barbell. That's, that's what it is. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm glad we got that out there. Yep. yep. All right. So Vincent from Kenmore Barbell and Fitness in Buffalo, New York. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been awesome having you on the show. Yep. Thanks for having me. Um, appreciate the opportunity and, you know, I'll like to do it again in the future if, if, if possible. So. Absolutely. All, all right. right. Awesome. So. If you're listening, make sure that you subscribe so that you will be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there. We'll catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.